0: I don't really remember when I was born, so I don't... A real date of birth. 21 for life, let's just put it at that. (laughs) Olympic Channel
1: Podcast.
2: That was Somalian refugee boxer Ramla Ali. I'm Ed Knowles and this is the official Olympic Channel Podcast. We find the very best people to talk about the biggest Olympic talking points Every single week. If you love the Olympics, subscribe now wherever you find your podcasts. Olympic, Olympic Channel podcast. Channel. So, International Women's Day is on Friday, and it's hard to find a more inspirational woman than Ramla Ali. Born in Somalia during the civil war, the start of her life was absolute chaos. She doesn't even know when her own birthday was and her brother died after a grenade blew up in their garden. Her family found refuge in London, but Ramla was shy. She found it hard to make friends and put on weight. She says she found boxing by accident and at once she loved it. She rose up to become English national champion, all without the knowledge of her parents. Ramla had been told by her mother to give up boxing. Now she's made it her mission to make it to the Olympic Games and represent Somalia at Tokyo 2020. And she's got a promise from her mum. If she makes it, her mum will go along to Tokyo to watch. We sent along Andrew Binner to go down to her gym in the UK to find
1: out more. Olympic Channel Podcast. So we're here in East London's famous Peacock Gym, it's pretty grey outside as per usual in Britain but it's buzzing in here and you can probably hear some of the boxing going on behind us. I'm joined by Somalian boxer Ramla Ali. Ramla, thank you for joining us.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: I know you were a baby when you left Mogadishu um, but can you tell us a bit about your early life and your journey to get over to London?
0: Um, So I grew up I mean, I was born in Mogadishu. Um, I don't really remember when I was born, so I don't, don't have a, a real date of birth, as, as they say. Um, so like, at the time I was born was like during the start of the Civil War, so like there was like little focus on records. Everyone was just, you know, fleeing for safety. And um, my mum decided to, you know, leave Somalia um, because my eldest brother, was about 14 maybe 12 12 to 14 at the time was killed in our front garden um, because like um, grenades were just being thrown all over the place and you know one landed on him and he was taken to so my dad and my uncle decided to rush him to hospital but all like the nearby hospitals were obviously blown down and run down and no one was in him. So they had to put him in a wheelbarrow and just wheelbarrow him to like the nearest hospital. And he died along the way because it was just, the journey was just too far. So my mum thought, you know, I can't have this for my kids anymore. So we'd left, we'd left all our belongings, all our records, everything, and took a, uh, we had to get on a car, uh, car to the, the coast and then we left the coast to go to um, uh, Kismayo in Kenya. But It was like a nine day, it was a horrible journey. It was like so many people on this boat. So it's supposed to be like for 200 people, maybe like four or 500 people got on because everyone's fleeing, you know, for their lives. And like a lot of people died along the way because nine days is a long time to have no food or water. I almost died along the way because um, I'd contracted a uh, head lice and there was no doctors or stuff on board so someone's bright idea was, oh you should put rat poison in her hair. Someone put, so my mum put rat poison in my hair and I was just vomiting and vomiting and vomiting and I'd lost so much weight, yeah so I almost died but then we got to Kismayo and then from Kismayo we went to Mombasa and then from Mombasa we came here it
1: almost seems like you're quite lucky to be here today. And knowing that backstory, do you think that played some part in you really chasing your dreams? And it's almost like a second lease of life,
0: isn't it? 100%, like my mum's always told us, like, you got to fight for, like, you should, you should be so grateful, you should be so lucky that you're here, you're in safety and so you always got to fight for what you, what you deserve and what you want. And I think that's always just stuck with me from a young age
1: you said you don't have a date of birth so do you know how old you are ballpark no idea so how does that work when you're going into boxing events and stuff do they need to know your date of birth not really
0: just no they do you just take it from the passport it's just guessed
1: so what what i'm do you... 21
0: for life let's just put it at that <laughs> so.
1: do, you, do you have a day that you celebrate your birthday or um, you I've,
0: one? I've never celebrated my birthday um i do accept gifts though Uh, if anyone wants to give me gifts but it's like september 16th
1: okay um and so i mean that was kind of the start of the difficulties what was it like being a refugee family in london that can't have been easy
0: um i always hid it in school because you know back then there was such a a, like a stigma around being a refugee so I, i didn't tell anyone i was even ashamed of being somali and i don't understand why because i'm so proud of being one right now um So no, like nobody in my school knew. Like, I think a lot of people have recently read stuff about me now and people from school have contacted me saying, wow, I did not know you were a refugee. Like, that was amazing that you just kept it secret for so long, Um, but yeah, I had hidden it. I didn't tell anyone. So it didn't affect me much because nobody knew.
1: So you and the family, did you guys all speak English? Was there any language issues?
0: I, none of us spoke a word of English. And my dad, who was, um, speaks really good Italian, very educated man, had a really good job in Somalia, had to um, take up a job in construction when he came here. Didn't didn't know, didn't know a thing about construction, but he had to do that so he could eat. So that's what he did. And my mum took up some sewing lessons so she could, you know, make dresses and stuff like that so he could eat.
1: And so how did you get into boxing? How did you find your way to the ring?
0: I started boxing just by chance. So um, when I was when I was in secondary school, I was um, quite overweight, believe it or not. Um, and I would got bullied quite a bit for being overweight, and you know, for being, you know, Somali, um, which is probably why I was ashamed of being Somali. Um, but i'd um started going to the gym so my mom gave me a pass to um east Dam, east Dam leisure center and that's where i started going but as as a young person like who doesn't back then there was no instagram to tell you these are the workouts you should do for today so back then it was just like you've just got to kind of guess what you're doing and for me it wasn't it wasn't like fun as a kid so I started going to classes, I did a bit of spin, did a bit of this, a bit of that, and then I did boxer size and I thought, wow, this is amazing, this is so good, I love it. But once a week wasn't enough for me so I searched on the internet, like, local boxing gyms to me and I found one and I, t- I walked in, walked in, I was so scared because I was by myself, I walked in and, like, I remember, like, you could hear the sounds of people punching bags and, coaches giving orders and yeah, that's the first time I walked in and I've, I've loved it ever since.
1: And so the, the weight just started sort of melting off when you are doing the boxing?
0: Yeah, so it took about two, two and a half years to do it like healthily. Um, but yeah, after a while, after I started loving myself, I was loving boxing even more and it just became this like amazing relationship.
1: So what did boxing give you outside of fitness? Is it sort of, uh, it's a it body confidence like a and something to belong?
0: So it gave like, Because I didn't have friends in school, I made friends in boxing and all the friends that I have now are people that I've met through boxing. And for me, it just gave me like a, a second family. And that's what I loved about it as well. Obviously the fact that I was getting fitter and healthier, I loved that, but I loved it even more so that I got to do it with like friends and, just yeah it was amazing
1: when did you realize that this was you wanted this to be more than fitness
0: i actually didn't have my first bout until like many 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 years later for me it was just like hitting the bag hitting the pads doing the circuits at the end that's what i enjoyed and it wasn't until like i'd left that gym i started doing like thai boxing for a bit didn't enjoy it left that and then i walked into another boxing gym in um, Forest Hill and walked in and the coach said wow you're really good how long have you been boxing and I told him he's like oh wow so how many bouts have you had I said I haven't had any bouts I said well have you thought about competing and like before then I'd never even thought about competing because like the idea of women's boxing wasn't really a thing back then like you didn't really see a lot of women do it so I'd never thought about it. it never crossed my mind and he said, "I think you should do it." And I thought, "Okay, why not?" So we did it. <laughs> yeah. So it it was it was really hard, like trying to keep everything a secret, trying to keep bruises and black eyes a secret. That was that was especially hard because um, I'm, I'm I don't wear makeup. So the moment I started wearing makeup, everything just became a bit more suspicious. So I had to like put concealer on to cover things up, and yeah, it was really hard. But the thing that was the most hardest was the lack of family support i mean it's not like they weren't giving family support it's just i never told them so i didn't have so any like defeat or any any time i had a bad day in the gym i think it was really hard not having someone to talk to about it so i just had to keep it to myself and um that probably was the most hardest thing for me um trying to box and just not having any support really i mean
1: it must have been a real conflict of emotions, because is it true your family didn't even know that you'd won a national title? <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, they, they didn't. Um, I competed for it, and I remember like a friend of mine saying, so, wow, like, you know, you're best in the country. Don't you think it's time to you know, tell your mother now? I said, no, because she just made me stop. And I just I love this sport too much, and it'd break my heart if I had to stop. Um, so I just never told her, and they just never knew not until quite recently anyways.
1: So what is it that you were so scared about? Why couldn't you tell them?
0: So just purely because I I knew that they would like... My mum has a way of (laughs) emotionally blackmailing me to certain things and I just knew that, you know, it would come to that, like she would somehow make me uh, try to stop and me being, you know, very... What's the word? Loving and I, like I really love my mum. I, I probably would have just done it to make her really happy, all the while being unhappy myself. So that that's the thing that scared me the most was having to stop doing something that I loved.
1: Do you think your mum just didn't like the idea of you boxing, or was it a fear of what the community thought of it?
0: At the time, I thought it would be that she didn't like the idea of me boxing, but now I realise that it's just fear of community. Like my mum and obviously I don't blame her for it because she's obviously just trying to do what's best for me like any mother would but I think what she feared most at the time was the community and how they would perceive me and my mom doesn't like the idea of anybody hating me or anybody hating her kids so for her it it was mostly about you know what would people think and would people think differently of you and um, that's what I thought at the, at the time, and that's what I think now. But everything's obviously changed a bit now. <laughs> so what did you tell them when you were going out to boxing? Um, it was a lot of, at, at the time, so I, w- I was still in like, I was still in education, so I'd make up things like, um, if I had to compete abroad, it would be like, mom going on a college trip, or mom going on a uni trip. And that obviously, you know, was good, whilst i was still in education so the moment i left i had to be more elaborate with the the lies and i had a friend that lived in germany and you know i once told them that i'm going to her wedding she wasn't getting married she didn't even have a fiance so <laughs> well, it was just like just think just certain things like that but the way i see it is you've got to do what you've got to do to do what you love so i think obviously i've told her like she's not married now Um, But at the time, I think she believed it. And I had to actually get my friend to go along with the lie. And she wasn't really okay with it because, you know, she'd met my mum and, you know, she really liked my mum. And she said, I'm not really okay with lying to your mum. But, you know, I kind of convinced her to come on board. So when you won
1: the national title, give us an idea about how that evening worked. So you just told them you were going out, you win a title, and just come back and sit at home and say, oh. yeah."
0: it was pretty much that so um i knew like <clears throat> to compete i it was it was a weekend and so it was it was a saturday yeah it was a saturday and my mum knows i don't really go out on, on the weekends and she knows like i i hardly like socialize with friends like I, you know I, I don't have a lot of friends Growing up, like I found it really hard to make friends. Um, so I told her, I gave, I had given my kit bag to my coach, and um, the uh, tournament was happening at York Hall. So there's a few few roads down, and so I said to my coach, I'll see you there. And um, so at at the time, he was very supportive as well. So it's, it's not. Richard it was like a different coach He was really supportive and he understood the struggles that I was going through with my family and my parents so he said all right cool I'll see you there but make sure the moment you leave the house like you leave your problems at home because with me like boxing is very psychological if I'm if I'm going through a lot psychologically I don't perform very well so he said you make sure you leave your problems at home said okay cool I'll see you there and I remember telling my mum mum I'm going for a run so I dressed up in like a tracksuit, put on a woolly hat, looked like I was going for a run and then walked two roads down to York Hall, um, competed. So I'd already weighed in in the morning so I'd, I knew roughly the, the time that I was going to compete. So I'd got there like 45 minutes early, warmed up, competed. And the moment my bout had finished, I said, alright, see you later, you've got to take your kit back, you've got to take my kit back, back with you and put the same clothes back on. And I jogged back home to look like I was still sweating. And then I walked in the house, hey, hey, mum. And then she went upstairs, took a shower and just sat in front of the TV and watched some TV.
1: That's amazing. Can you try and, I mean, it must have been so difficult for you, that complete contrast of emotions. I mean, it's everything that you've ever wanted winning the national title, but you can't share it with the people that you love. I mean, how conflicting was that?
0: it was It was obviously the worst feat, I mean my brother at the time, so I have a younger brother who was he was who knew what I was doing, and he would always help me sneak out of the house and he 'd always like cover up for me um, when I came home at a certain time because I was competing. in fact, the first person I wanted to tell was my mum, but i couldn't, so he was like the next best thing, and we had like a little celebration in my room, like a little dance and so for me to just tell someone in my family was better than telling no one in my family and so that that was that was good as well
1: so when did it or when did they realize that you were boxing and what happened how did that go down
0: so earlier last year 2018 um uh, richard my now coach he thought when i made you know the decision to you know try and compete for somalia he thought it'd be a good idea to like make it known to the world, and um, he contacted a Somali news channel. and He thought it'd be a good idea that I do an interview for them, and I was so so scared because I knew the first thing, because Somali communities, you know, they they will always share stuff. Oh, have you seen that girl? She boxes, and like everybody will know you as the girl that boxes. Yeah, so I knew, some, I knew someone would like see me, recognise me and tell my mum. So I was petrified, absolutely petrified. Um, but I knew like, it, it, you know, it was a good interview to do. I remember I'd done the interview and um, one of my uncles saw it and he contacted me. And I remember that conversation, like it was just one of the best conversations I've ever had with anyone. And he said how, how proud he was of me. And he said, I think your mum, deep down, she would be proud and you should tell her. I said, no, no, no mum would never understand. And he said, well, I'll have a talk with her and she will understand. You mark my words, she'll understand. And then I remember my mum was in Somalia at the time and she'd called me and she said, well, I've just had like a very interesting conversation with your uncle. I said, oh my God, here we go. And she said, it's amazing. Like, I mean, I think all those years, deep down, she really like knew. There was an instance where my brother saw me on, Lon- do you know London Live? It, I was competing in like an all-girls um, gala and one of, my, one of the bouts was on there. I think my brother saw me, told my mom, you know, she told me to stop. And so I, you know, I told her I'd stopped. And then years and years and years later, I think she thought I'd stopped then and then my uncle told her that I was doing what I was doing what I was doing was a good thing raising awareness for the smiley community and you know raising awareness for, for sport in women women in Africa and and then she just said like you oh, know it's amazing what you're doing and like I'm really proud and that was just probably one of the best conversations I've ever had with my mum to know that she was supportive and, and proud of what I was doing.
1: So can you kind of try... Describe the emotions you felt when initially your uncle called up and was like, "I've seen this."
0: I think I was almost in tears. Like, um, he told me how proud he was of me, and then what I remember him saying was, "It broke his heart to know I was doing it for so long in secret." Um, I think those are the words that stuck with me, and even till today, and it just it just filled me with so much emotion. I remember, like, obviously, like we're not we're not. A, a family of criers, so we don't show emotion. So as soon as I hung the phone down, I was like, oh, my God, I was teary eyed. Um, So, yeah, it was probably one of the best conversations I've ever had.
1: So tell us about the decision to switch. I mean, you won English and British national titles, and you decided to switch to represent Somalia. Was that a decision to kind of appease your family or is it something you wanted to do for the community yourself?
0: I think um, it was like something that was um, discussed between me and Richard. Um, I think, yes, it makes my mum so much more prouder. Um, she does even, she does still say like, you know, was it because of me you've done the whole Somalia thing, But. We don't talk, we, I don't answer it, but yeah, she's definitely more prouder. And I think like sport, yes, boxing is quite a selfish sport. It's an individual sport, but like I, you need to look at it in the, in a, in a bigger light, like you sometimes have to be selfless. So you have to, if, if you can inspire another, let's say Ramla in Somalia to take up boxing then you've done your job very well, like, yes. It's great to win titles and medals and things like that, but if you can inspire a whole new generation of girls in Africa to take up, not just boxing, but to take up sport, then you've, you've done so much.
1: And it wasn't too long before the Somalian community actually started getting around you. Um, tell us how that happened and
0: how that made you feel. Um, like, I constantly get bombarded with like messages on Instagram saying that, you know, you're, you're very you're very inspiring and, you know, my daughter looks up to you and, you know, I've, I've you know t- taken my my daughter to um, start boxing. Oh, this is a good one. So my sister, who'd asked, who her and her mum, I mean, her and my mum asked Richard to make me stop, has now enrolled her daughter, her two daughters into boxing because of me. I, I kid you not, so I've, I think, you know, I'd never saw this happen, but, you know, many years down the line, I've brought positive change um, to the Smiley community.
1: Have you ever been tempted, or have you ever been asked by a mum or a family member or something to wear their headscarf or something like that while you while you perform and you train? Yeah,
0: I told her, sorry, it's against um, it's against uh, the uniform code. Like, I mean, if, if it changes them, I might consider it but I've I've I mean for me it's I'm not ready to wear it yet I do see myself in the future I hope I you know I do I do picture it but right now I just I don't feel ready and I think like wearing the headscarf is something that's personal and it's a personal relationship between you and God and you shouldn't be like coerced into wearing it
1: on that note, I know you do, you do a boxing class, you, you teach uh, a, a group of Muslim women, don't you? Um, how important is that to you?
0: Oh, it's so important. Like, to a lot of the girls that, that have... Um, so we've been going for about a year now. Um, a lot of the girls that have showed up have said, like, they didn't feel like they had any space to train. So like, they come in, it's literally girls only, all the men get kicked out blinds go down in the windows and like they take their hijabs off and they just love it they just they love to just obviously like and it's not like a boxer size class i'm actually teaching them how to box and throw proper shots and i think that's what they love the most is the fact that they're learning to box and learning to defend themselves one of girls have actually said that she feels a lot more safer walking alone at night i mean you say night but now it gets dark really quick but walking alone in the evenings because she knows how to defend herself. And for me, it's really important to have girls that think that they can't do certain things, do certain things, like, that's, that's so important.
1: So it's almost, it's a body confidence thing and it's a social well-being thing as well.
0: 100%, yeah, it's definitely good mentally. I mean, if you, if you feel like you can, you're safe to walk out at night, that's just, that's a plus.
1: So how amazing is it for you, a couple of years down the line of your family being worried about what the community would think about you boxing, is it that you've helped set up Somali Boxing Federation, you've got loads of support from Somalis around the world, you have family members who are now boxing as well, and you're now, further from it being something that could bring shame to the community, you're actually sending this huge positive light Um, on Somalia, how does that feel for it all to have come back full circle? It
0: just feels like it's finally happened. Obviously it's, it's happened after such a long time and I've had to struggle for such a long time but like you always appreciate it more when there's a little bit of struggle involved. If it happened so easy you wouldn't appreciate it as much so I'm glad the struggle came first as opposed to the good things coming first and the struggle coming after. So I'm glad it's worked out that way, and obviously it it does make me really happy.
1: Any chance of getting Mum to hit the pads ever with you? <laughs> no
0: <laughs> no way i said she she's never actually watched me box um but we've made a deal if I qual- end up qualifying for Tokyo, um she will come to Tokyo, and that will be the first time she's ever watched me box, so that's 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 if not the best incentive for me to work hard and try and get there. Well,
1: Ramla, thank you for talking to us today. We're both absolutely freezing. We can both see the breath here in East London. Um, We wish you the very best of luck in Tokyo and your pro boxing career. And we will be following you.
0: Thank you so much. (laughs) I can't feel my ankles. (laughs) I can't feel my fingers. Olympic Channel Podcast.
2: Huge thanks to Ramla Ali and also to Andrew Binner. You can follow Ramla on Instagram at Somali Boxer and you can get Andrew on Twitter as well at Andrew Binner for him. So last week we had wheelchair racer Madison de Rosario talking about online harassment and how to deal with it. Peter Olafsson on Facebook said, I hate the way some men talk to female athletes and I hope that's not how they talk to women in real life. The podcast itself was a really interesting and impassioned interview, so go and check it out if you haven't already. It is that point where I ask you to give us a subscribe and also say thanks to you if you're already a subscriber. Thank you. Tell your Olympic loving mates that we exist, the more the merrier. Reviews on the podcast app on your phone are good too, so if you're on your phone right now, give us five stars, we go up the rankings, keep them coming in. If you want to follow me, I am at Eddie Knowles with an I and an E on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also follow at Olympic Channel Two. Leave us a comment. We would love to hear from you. That though is it for now. See you soon.
0: Think like an Olympian.